Well, it's good to see everybody this morning. I do see that we have visitors with us, and we want you to know that you are always welcome. And we want you back anytime that you can to be with us. I hope that you stick around afterwards and let us get to know you a little better uh, and invite you back. I'm a little intimidated because I don't know about the giant thing over here looking over my shoulder. He looked like he wants to take a bite out of me. Uh, But uh, anyway, that's a little creepy. Uh, But uh, that is to uh, promote our Vacation Bible School. And so our Vacation Bible School will be on Saturday, June the 23rd from 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock. Just a one-day event. So invite all your uh, friends and neighbors uh, ages 4 through 5th grade, those that just got out of 5th grade. So we encourage you to, to invite them. Uh, also, there is on the table out in the foyer a sign-up sheet for those of you who would like to volunteer to help with uh, Vacation Bible School. So I encourage you to uh, put your John Hancock on that and uh, be here to help support uh, our Vacation Bible School. What we have uh, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at, we started our uh, series of lessons on the book of Hebrews, the letter that uh, is written to the, to the Hebrews. And we've been looking at it because it is, in a sense, it is without a doubt, a letter of encouragement. The writer is writing to people who were on the verge of giving up, giving up their faith. Now, I don't know about you, but I've given up a lot of things. Uh, given up on a lot of things in my life. Uh, I told you not too long ago about the play set that we bought and it didn't have all the parts and I gave up on that. Well, before that, we decided it was Christmas time and it was one of those uh, reindeer sets that are like wire, you know, and it's got lights all over it. And I thought that'd be cool. So I bought it and I opened the box and immediately closed the box and took it back. Because there was no way I was putting all those pieces together. Just gave up. Now we can give up on some things and it may not matter. But if we give up on our faith, we're in serious trouble. And that's why the writer writes to his readers. He knows that some of them are on the verge of giving up. And he wants to encourage them. Don't do it. And he does this three different ways. Number one, we talked about he does it by showing that in Christ, everything is better. Everything is superior. Everything is greater. Now, he was talking to Jews who had come out of Judaism, and, and he'll go on throughout the letter to explain how that, how that the things of the old law were okay and were good for their purpose, but nothing compared to Jesus Christ. And we're not on the verge of going back to Judaism, but the world tells us, oh, look at what the world has to offer. This is good. This is great. And some of it is. Some of it may be okay. Some of it may be good, but nothing compares to what we have in Jesus Christ. So why would we give up on that and go back to something else? The second way that he encourages us is that you're going to have to hang with me on this one. He encourages us by encouraging us to encourage each other. Did you get all that? Throughout the book, 
throughout the letter, he's going to say, encourage one another, encourage one another. And in fact, we have as our theme verse, chapter three, verse 13 and 14, that says, but encourage one another daily. As long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sins to deceitfulness. For we have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the confidence that we had at the first. We encourage one another. But we also said he also encourages them with warnings. With warnings. Be careful. Watch out. Don't do this. And so this morning we come to the first of those warnings. Now, we had talked about before about the fact that the words spoken by Jesus were greater than even the words spoken by the prophets. And then a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how that Jesus was greater than the angels. So why would you worship the angels? So now he comes to this first warning. In chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, he writes... We must pay careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? Now, we're going to talk about the greatness of that salvation next week. But I want to focus on those first few words about the idea of being careful, paying attention, and not drifting away. I remember not too long ago, I was watching one of those real TV shows, you know, a rescue show or something like that. And this family was in this boat, and they were on this river. And the river was flowing pretty, the current was pretty strong. And not too far from where the video picks up, there was a waterfall. And the current was too strong for the boat motor to keep up. And this family was in peril from going over the waterfall. And it was a huge, dramatic, almost miraculous rescue attempt that got that family out alive before the boat eventually did go crashing down over the waterfall. And they interviewed the dad, who was the driver, naturally. And he said, first of all, I didn't realize we were drifting that far downstream. And secondly, I didn't realize the strength of the current, the power of the current. Those of you that have been in water, you know, especially strong current, it may not even look like it's very strong, but then you get in it and you realize that it is pulling you away. That's why they talk so many times when we start having flash floods and things like that to don't drive in over, you know, to where you can't see the road because it may look like it's pretty flat water, but then you get in and you realize the current and before you know it, it'll take your car away. And so... The writer here says, be careful, be careful, pay attention so that we do not drift from the salvation that we have. And so this morning, I want to talk a little bit about drifting. And I want to start off with some basic principles of drifting. You probably didn't even know there were basic principles of drifting, did you? Well, there are. We're going to look at them this morning. 
Well, maybe there's not. I made them up, so I don't know. But they fit. The first basic principle of drifting is that drifting requires no effort. None whatsoever. You know, you don't have to do anything to just kind of be carried away by the stream or carried away by the wind or whatever the case may be. That's why he says we must pay careful attention. You want to start drifting away from your faith. You want to start drifting away from God. All you have to do is nothing. All you have to do is just carry on and not put any effort into your relationship with God, not put any effort into your faith, just go along as is and you will eventually drift away. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 15, you remember that Jesus is talking to the church at Laodicea and he says, I am sick of you because you're cold as ice. That's not what he said. He said, I am sick of you because you are lukewarm. He said, I'd rather you were cold. Maybe then I could reach you. But you're just, you're just out there doing nothing. You're just out there kind of drifting and you're just drifting away. And you think you're okay. See, that's the problem with doing nothing and drifting. We don't realize what's going on. We think that we're okay, which leads us to the second point, And that is that drifting is an unconscious process. It happens without us realizing it. Several years ago when Kenny and I were in Hawaii, we were staying and maybe you've seen it, you know, it's one of the iconic hotels in Hawaii. It's the, uh, well, I can't remember the name of it now, but anyway, it's pink. All right. And uh, it sits right there in Waikiki and it's this pink adobe kind of building and uh, you can't miss it, you know. And so I'd gone out on this raft and I was just kind of floating out on this raft, and, you know, and I could, you know, out of the corner of my eye and I could see the pink hotel. So I know that I'm I'm OK. And then I don't know if I drifted off to sleep or whatever. Uh, but all of a sudden I look up and I realize. Where's the pink hotel? The Royal Hawaiian. That's the name of it, by the way. Uh, where's the pink hotel? And I don't know whether I've drifted to the right or to the left. I'm not sure where the pink hotel is. So I start going back the way I think. No pink hotel. So I think I'll go back this way. Finally, the pink hotel. But it happened unconsciously. I didn't even realize it was going on. And we can drift away from God unconsciously. Without realizing it, and certainly not without intending for it to happen. The third principle of drifting is we never drift upstream. Never. The natural flow of the world and its draw and its currents are always going to take us away from God. Doesn't matter what we think. Oh, well, the world's not that bad or, you know, this or that or whatever. Drifting is always going to carry us downstream. I think that's probably a, uh, a physics lesson, a property of physics. You cannot drift upstream. I don't know that to be true. If it's not, it ought to be. It is now. You don't know the difference. 
Well, Ronald and some of you science people might, but you know. But we under we get that. We understand that, right? You don't drift upstream. You drift downstream. And so we're content to do nothing. If we're content to just kind of let whatever happens, happens, and we just kind of float along with the wind or the current or whatever, it is always going to take us away from God. And so that's why it says, be careful. Be careful and pay attention. Fourthly, just in case you know, we got 12 points this morning. So we're moving along here. All right. Joe Terrell, who's up in the booth, freaked. Oh, and we got another. Ba- okay, no, okay, the clock is working. I was worried the clock wasn't working, but uh, we're we're good. All right. Fourthly, drifting is dangerous to others. Now, while I was getting ready for for this sermon, I uh, was trying to find a backdrop, you know, for the for the lesson. Like I've got back there with the little sailboat or whatever, and so I typed in drifting and. Googled it, you know, drifting. And then I, go- I clicked on images because I, I, I was hoping to find images of a drifting sailboat or something like that. Do you realize, this will shock you, go home and try this. Not now, not on your phones now. When you get home, I typed in drifting, Googled drifting and hit on images. It was all race cars. NASCAR. I'm not a NASCAR dude. Okay. I'm not, you know, I mean, I might watch the Daytona 500. I might watch the Indianapolis 500. That, that's the extent of any racing I'm going to watch. You know, just around, around, around. But then again, I'll sit and watch four hours a little dude hitting a little white ball into a little hole. So, you know, you know. You got your thing, I got my thing, okay? But I, I, was, I was totally confused. I rechecked my spelling. Did I spell drifting right? And then I started understanding that in race car driving, especially on the high bank, you know, tracks, the drifting has to do with when one car gets a little out of place and begins to drift up into either the wall or another car. Well, that makes sense. I understand that. I I, I get that idea. And invariably, when a car starts drifting, when it's dangerous to everybody else, even if the driver hits the wall just himself, doesn't hit another car, he then becomes a hazard to all the other people around him, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's why these new cars, I, we, got a, we got a new car. I hate it. It's got this anti-drifting warning system on it. You can, you, can, you can drive this car with no hands. Literally, you can. Because it senses when you are getting close to the line, either the dotted line or the solid line, and it will move you back. Now, you can drive with no hands, but it's really kind of it's like this, you know. Not that I've tried it. <laughs> but it, you start to drift over, and not only does it move you back, 
it shakes your seat and makes a noise. Now, the first time I experienced that was in my dad's car. And I had no idea it would do that. Now, if you turn your, if you put your turn signal on to change lanes, it won't do that. So anyway, but I was driving my dad's car and, you know, we're in the middle of nowhere. There wasn't anybody else around. And so I was going to change lanes and pass the car and, and, you know, didn't think maybe that I had to turn my turn signal on. And all of a sudden the seat started vibrating and I, I, I didn't know what was going on. I thought the car was about to explode. But apparently... Drifting is dangerous and dangerous to others. Before the cars had this feature on it, the highway department started putting in grooves on the shoulder, right? So that when you start to drift over, wakes you up, tells you you need to move over. Because when we begin to drift, we are a danger to others. Parents, who drift away in their faith, present a danger to their children who they carry along with them. Churches who drift away from God's word takes entire families and others with them. Fifthly, drifting ends in disaster. Now, most of you have heard me relate this story before because it's one of my favorite all-time World War II stories. But in May of 1941, Germany unveiled the most impressive naval ship ever built. It's called the Bismarck. It was bigger, stronger, faster. It had more armament around it to protect it. And it had bigger and stronger guns than anything that had ever been built Before, it was, as if the Titanic wasn't forewarning enough, unsinkable. The Bismarck goes out on its first voyage and meets up with some British ships, one of which is the HMS Hood. And in a single volley from the Bismarck, from miles away, One of the rounds penetrates the hood, goes down into the ammunition storage area and explodes and explodes the entire ordnance room, cutting the hood in half and sinking it in a matter of minutes. 1,415 sailors died. The message went out from Britain's home office to all the ships in the Atlantic. And some of you have told me there's a song about this, which I don't know it. Sink the Bismarck. Well, that was pretty cool to say. Sink the Bismarck. How? The British Navy was unmanned, outgunned. They couldn't get close enough to the Bismarck without the Bismarck sinking them. And so the Bismarck was spotted. And on this little bitty old ancient aircraft carrier, they had a few old World War I biplanes. 
And each biplane carried one torpedo. So they launched the entire squadron of, I think, like five of these little biplanes and told them to go sink the Bismarck. Well, as they approached the Bismarck, the Bismarck's anti-aircraft guns and everything else start spitting out and dropped the planes like flies. But one little bitty biplane managed to drop his torpedo in the water and the torpedo came in from behind the Bismarck and exploded into the rudder of the Bismarck. Not a single piece of damage done to the Bismarck. From sea level up, no evidence that it had ever even been hit. Not a single injury on the Bismarck from that attack. No gaping hole in the side that quickly flooded with water and the Bismarck was going to sink. But it damaged the rudder. Now you had this huge, massive ship and all it could do is go around in a circle. Around in a circle. When the British Navy realized that it happened, gathered all the ships that it could gather and surrounded the Bismarck and eventually sunk it. Why? Because the rudder was damaged and all it could do was drift, essentially, in a circle. It ends in disaster. It may be some great shipwreck because some ship got off course. Or it may be just never heard from again. I think about Amelia Earhart. I wonder what happened to her. I'm guessing at some point she drifted somehow, some way, and eventually ended up lost forever. So those are some principles of drifting. So we might ask ourselves, well, are there any signs of drifting? How can I know I'm drifting? Glad you asked that question. Because yes, there are some signs that we are drifting. The first sign is a decreased desire to study God's word and pray. When we lose the desire to study God's word and we don't put into practice the things that we've heard, we begin to drift. We read the Psalms, especially Psalms 119, which talks about thy word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path, honey, like a honeycomb. We ought to be craving God's word. We ought to be studying God's word. We ought to be feeding on God's word. And when we don't have a desire to do that anymore, we will begin to drift from God's word. Secondly, a decreased in desire to be with other Christians. We ought to make the most of every opportunity to be around other Christians. A little later on in this letter, the writer is going to remind them why it is so important that they do not quit meeting together. I love in Acts chapter 2 and in verse 42 there, where it's talking about those early Christians who had been converted. It says, and they continued in the apostles' doctrine and all the and the fellowship 
I think it's important that that little article is there. And it's there in the original language that wasn't added. The fellowship. Fellowship is not an option for us as Christians. Fellowship is a necessity for us as Christians. We need to be with one another. We need to encourage one another. We need to have that time where we can build off of one another. And when I no longer want to be around my Christian family, I have begun to drift away. And so we need that with each other. I've said this before. You may think you don't need it. You may think I'm strong enough by myself. I don't need any fellowship. I don't need any encouragement. I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm good enough on my own. Fine. How selfish is that? Because what about me? I need you. Maybe you think you don't need me. You're wrong, by the way. But maybe you think that. But I need you. And there's other people that need you. And we need that fellowship together. Third sign that we are drifting is a decreased desire to share the gospel. Wow. We've got great news. Everybody. And we ought to want to do that. We ought to be encouraged to do that. We ought to be excited about sharing the gospel with others around us. And if we're not, if we're not excited about that, if we don't want to share it, then we've begun to drift away. We've begun to drift. And fourthly, an increased desire for the things of this world. You want to know if you're drifting? Is there an increased desire for the things of this world? What things bring you greatest joys? Right. Is it material things or is it spiritual things? I've said this before. Parents. Parents, what are the most important things? What brings you joy most about your children? Is it physical accomplishments? Is it academics? Is it athletics? Is it whatever? Or is it their relationship with God? As parents, grandparents, what ought to be most important to us is our children's relationship with God. The other things are important. The other things are good. Not saying they're bad, but of utmost importance ought to be their relationship with God. What do we spend the most time on? What do we spend the most effort on? Now, third, I want to talk about precautions against drifting. Well, we've seen the principles of drifting. We've seen the warning signs of drifting. I want to keep from drifting. What do I do? First of all, we keep rowing upstream. Never be satisfied. Never be complacent. God set the bar high for his children. He expects us to reach for those goals. He expects us to be holy as he is holy. He expects us to be perfect as he is perfect. We think, no, he does. He says he does. He says he does. And that ought to be what we are striving for. We should never settle for mediocrity. We should never settle for lukewarmness. We should always be rowing upstream, never becoming satisfied. Secondly, we have to be aware of the currents around us. We need to understand the dangers that the world presents. 
you know, I, I, I know I talked about this forever and ever, but years ago, I think that we kind of assumed that the world, for the most part, was on our side. Some of you can think back longer than I can think back. If you can think back 15 years ago, you can think longer back than I can. But, and, and we see how much the world has changed, our society in particular. Values, morals, all those different things, ethics, things like that. And we think back to a time when, when most of our country, most of our society believed the same things we believed in as far as values and standards, even if they didn't believe in it because, because of the same reason. They believed in it. What was right and what was wrong. Well, that was Satan fooling us. That was Satan letting us drift along and begin to drift away without realizing it. Because then all of a sudden one day, and it wasn't all of a sudden one day, but we felt like it was. We woke up one day and all of a sudden the world's values, our society's values, had totally changed. And now our society is against us. Now the world is against us. Jesus said the world will always be against you. John said, do not love this world. The world's never been on our side as much as we may have thought it was or it tried to trick us that it was. But we have to be aware of the currents around us. We have to understand that it does not matter what society accepts. It does not matter what Congress declares is acceptable. It does not matter what some court in the land says is right or wrong. We have to rely on God's word because it is our foundation and it never changes. His values, his morals never change. And we, if we want to keep from drifting, we must stay anchored. Colossians 2, Paul talks about being rooted and grounded in Christ. Ephesians 4, he talks about being anchored in the truth. A little bit later in Hebrews, he's going to talk about holding on to the anchor, which is our hope. And in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said we need to build our house on the solid foundation of hearing his words and doing what it says. I understand the idea of being anchored. I'm not a big, you know, boat kind of person. I like the idea of terra firma, you know, firm ground. But if I am going to be out, I understand the idea of being anchored. But here's the thing. An anchor is only as good as what it is anchored to. We must be anchored We sang, my hope is built on nothing less. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. If we anchor ourselves to the world's values, we're going to drift away. We anchor ourselves on public opinion, we're going to drift away. But we anchor ourselves on the solid rock. We anchor ourselves on Jesus Christ. We anchor ourselves on God's word. And when we do that, we can keep ourselves from drifting away. 
So the writer gives us his first warning. He says, watch out. Be more careful to pay attention. When you were a kid, didn't you hate that when your parents said that? Pay attention. Pay attention. You're like, I am paying attention. No, you weren't, right? No, you weren't. Let's not be like that with God's word. The writer says, pay attention. Pay attention. And don't drift away. If we can help you this morning, we'll actually come now as we stand and as we sing. We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D-C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol.com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas. 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.